welcome to the HR Chat Show, one of the world's most downloaded and shared podcasts designed for HR pros, talent execs, tech enthusiasts, and business leaders. For hundreds more episodes and what's new in the world of work, subscribe to the show, follow us on social media, and visit hrgazette.com. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum. And today's guest says that the turmoil of recent years gives leaders an unprecedented opportunity to redesign global strategies and systems and to re-mobilize towards a smarter, more resilient and equitable future. I hope so. How can leaders faced with tremendous global upheaval create more resilient and trustworthy systems? Well, find out as I chat with Terence C, my friend and co-author of the awesome new book, The Great Remobilization Strategies and Designs for a Smarter Global Future. Terence, how are you? Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Bill. I'm doing very, very well. It's great to be here. Always nice to be able to talk to you. Listeners, I love Terence. He's mega. Uh, and I'll explain more why as we go through today. Um, but before we hit record today, Terence and I, we, we were like, we can't remember which podcast he was on before, whether it was this one, the HR Chat Show, or the HR in Review pod, which is another one that I host. So uh, let's assume it was on the HR in Review pod, in which case, Terence, please introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell, tell them all about yourself and what you get up to. Very happy to do so, Bill. Thanks again for having me. Uh, you know, the love is actually mutual. Like, uh, you know, feelings is actually mutual to you. Um, my name is Terence, and uh, I am a professor of finance at Hout International Business School. Um, but in addition to the uh, to the job as uh, you know, as an academia teaching finance, which can be a boring subject, uh, especially when you actually do it again and again and again for past 20, like uh, for 20 years. That's exactly like, uh, you know, that's exactly what happened to me in the past 20 years. Um, I started to actually look into technologies and trends uh, several years ago, uh, founded a company, AI company along the way and um, wrote a thing like, uh, this is my fourth book, right? Uh, this is my fourth book. And this is the first time I actually like, uh, like uh, wrote a book. Uh, like uh, with uh, Olaf Broth and Marcus Pasito, as well as Dan Zer. Um and uh, yeah, the book is uh, is on like uh, not just trends, but the need to actually think about what we must do in the future. You know, like uh, probably like uh, several weeks, uh, several months ago, I would say you know what we should be doing, but now I think like uh, you know it looks like the world is getting more and more broken, and uh, I think there is you know it is time for us to do something about it. It is certainly scary times that we live in. Uh, I turned 40 earlier this year, the big milestone. And this is the first time in my life that I remember um, living in a period of, you know, potential nuclear annihilation, for example. That's not a great place to be, Terence. Um, anyway, let's not go down that route just yet. Okay. Um, let, let, let's start by uh, chatting about a recent event that I was involved in and you were involved with. Uh, and that was the Disrupt HR London at... Holt International Business School. You were one of the 14 speakers, 15 actually, because I think uh, we had a 10-minute talk as well by Perry Timms, who's amazing. Um, tell our listeners a little bit about your session at Disrupt HR London at Holt, and um, and what did you think of the event? First, it was a great honour to be there. Um, 
actually it's like uh, the honors that the secondary and like, to me is is fun and like uh, it's fun to be speaking and it's even more so like uh, you know to be listening to, to what the others were actually saying and how they actually do it i would recommend it to anyone like who got a, who has a chance to go to uh, any one of these disrupt hr events uh, mine was uh, very like a mundane compared to very like uh, of our guests like uh, all the other speakers like uh, we're doing uh, mine was actually on gpt um more, more like a uh, chat gpt basically look at you know why chat gpt like uh, you know what is it all about and what are the things that fewer people actually know about chat gpt and um the fact is that you know like uh, it it's it can hallucinate big time um and 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 uh, it actually makes a lot of mistakes uh the problem of course is that you need to know the mistakes are made. And uh, as I was saying in the first, uh, you know, HR, disruptive HR event, um, the fact is this, I think, in, you know, these are the days where people don't take the time or the patience or the bandwidth, you know, um, to check the, uh, you know, to check like uh, what you're actually seeing. So, you know, I have a feeling that whatever um, chat GPT or equivalents actually throw at us, we would actually end up trusting that to be the right, you know, to, to be the right output, to be the the fact, you know, uh, which is of course wrong, and uh, it's scary how wrong it actually can be. Anyhow, um, we also look at you know, like uh, how what chat where ChatGPT is going from a business perspective. So, um, but yeah, all in all, it is about the fact that. There is no question that we are stepping into a world where technology is only going to play a much more important role in like uh, in our future or ever increasingly important role in our future. So off air listeners, I was uh, singing Terence's praises. This guy's presentation style is amazing. He's got an open invite to anything, any event that I ever am involved with and in, in from a production side. He, uh, He's a very understated guy. He kind of disarms the audience because he comes up there. He's very humble. And then he'll just crack a joke out of nowhere. And it'll be it'll be a little bit risque. And then all the audience is like, what? And then they're laughing and they're applauding. This guy has got it going on. Tell me, he's very charismatic. Uh, anyway, let's um, let's talk a bit about the, the great remobilization strategies and designs for a smarter global future now. Um, give, us a, give us a summary in 60 seconds or less. Uh, summarize the book for us. So 60 seconds, I think like, uh, you know, uh, I think we, we, uh, we had got the problems, you know, like, uh, we, I mean, we have always have problems, but I think now the problems are like uh, piling up on top of each other. Um, I think what, like uh, the globalization 1.0, 2.0, as you, you know, however you define it, uh, came to an end. If anything, we're actually seeing the, um, like, uh, the, uh, the, you know, like the, the, the sharper ends of uh, of globalization, which uh, prompted us to think, you know, like uh, like you were saying, Bill, like at the very beginning, you know, we need to make the world a little bit more, actually not just a little bit more, more equitable. Um, and so what, like uh, what we decided to do in, with this very book is very simple, you know. Uh, we are trying to actually figure out what are the right things like, uh, you know, we should be doing in the future. What are the things we need to start thinking about to create a better future? Um, we actually went as far as saying that, you know, we basically need a new operating system for the world because the 
right, the you know the one that we have been operating on is old and tired, and like uh, clearly, you know, it is working against us. So um, the the hope of the book, you know, is to be able to pull um, different people together. You know, whether you're a policymaker, you are a business leader, uh, whether you're even a student, right? Uh, I think every one of us has a role to play in the future to come up with a new operating system. Um, this is not like a, not, I don't think this is one thing that we can do all by one country or by even a few countries. Um, it will have to be a collective effort, like uh, from top down and uh, also bottom up. You know, probably a bit ambitious, but uh, I guess you know it is. It is there is a need for us to like uh, really get the message out there. Um, otherwise, you know, I can't imagine what kind of a world our children our children's children will be actually be living in. You know, I just can't imagine. In the fast-changing new world of work, organizations that want to succeed must support their teams to develop the right skills for today and for the future. As practical learning experts, Holt EF Corporate Education helps organizations and employees of all levels to develop the critical business skills, attitudes and behaviors they need to be successful. We combine the expertise and agility of a boutique learning partner with the resources of a trusted, global organization. Learn more at HaltEF.com. So I was lucky to be brought up during the, the 90s. Uh, it was a very optimistic time. Um, it was you know, post-end of Cold War, well, 1991, uh, end of the Cold War. Uh, you had this neoliberal globalist globalist outlook on things. Uh, Bill Clinton was saying that everybody can trade together. Don't worry about it. He was playing a saxophone. He was being a cool dude. We're now in the 2020s. I, I see a world where things are reverting, perhaps. Uh, you, you're getting uh, protectionist regional blocks. Uh, you've yep. got Europe, you've got you've got the US and and, and that being a, a, a hegemon and protecting the, the, the Americas. You've got China dominating things in uh, the East of Asia and you've got Russia trying to claw back whatever it can uh, from what it lost um, from the, the Soviet Union. Is it really possible, Terence, to, 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 to achieve that neoliberal globalist dream now? Or have, we, have we gone too far? I think we have gone too far. I mean, like uh, you know, I, you know, Bill, you like uh, you were saying the nineties. Um, I actually grew like I uh, grew up in the eighties, actually seventies, like uh, seventy eighties. Eighties were like a wonderful. Granted, yes, you know there was like a, you know it was probably the height of the Cold War. Uh, you know there were there, there were still wars, but you know we there, there's no uh, you know if if you were to ask me like uh, the eighties were like a, at least, you know, a decade of prosperity, uh, at least a decade of, uh, you know, the start of, uh, of, of innovation. Um, and it, like, uh, it was like, a, the, those days were great, right? Uh, now, um, you like uh, rightly, like uh, rightly said so, um, that the world is, you know, getting more and more like you know, protectionism is like, a, is, is once again in play. You know, this is a term that, you know, what, 20, like what, 20 years ago, I think like, uh, you know, the, I, it was, for a moment, for some, like, I don't know, small countries, they would do that. But now, like, uh, even the largest countries in the world will actually talk about this. Um, nationalism is again on the rise. We seem, like, you know, it seems like <coughs> people never really learn 
the lessons of like a World War II, right? Especially now when, like, uh, you know, if you look at Europe, right? Uh, you know, the fact that Poland did not actually go too far, right? You know, was a win. Like, it it is crazy if you think about it this way. Um, so I think like, uh, you know, like at the country level, like you said, right? Is it possible to actually change? Um, I would say just by changing the, you know, like I, I, I don't think it's, it's easy, that easy to actually swing people's view back, you know, from uh, far right to more like a center, right? Which is what I think we would need, you know, if we want to live in a world that is, you know, that has got fewer uh, conflicts, you know, like uh, among people. Um, but I think, you know, like uh, one thing that we argued, you know, like, is that, you know, technologies do play a role in basically swinging people's like opinion, right? Um, and in other words, right, you know, it was actually the individuals or like, you know, whether we are the, the, the information receiver or the information giver, they both have a role to play. And like, uh, you know, I don't, you know, I don't pretend, you know, for a moment that I've got the solution to all the, uh, all the, all the social ills, right? Uh, I, I simply don't. Uh, but the fact is that, you know, like, uh, like, you know, technologies actually play a very, very important role, you know, like, uh, and, you know, if governments are serious about doing something about, you know, changing the dialogue, uh, there is definitely a need for more, um, I guess, like uh, restrictions, uh, more uh, ideas on, you know, at least curbing, like uh, curbing fake, uh, fake news, right? Or like, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, like, uh, or like, uh, you know, or what do you call it? Post-truth or whatever the uh, the term is these days. So I think it is doable. Uh, it will probably require a lot of political will and a lot of, uh, you know, like uh, our own will as well. But I think it is actually doable. Hello, like, but but then you know the question is, if we don't do anything, where is it? Is this path going to lead us to? Right, that is quite worrying as a prospect. I think it was Einstein who said nationalism is the measles of mankind. Okay, so we've got this situation where, sure, you've got geographical blocks which are becoming, becoming more pre- protectionist. Uh, nationalism is, unfortunately, on the rise. I, I try not to be political on this show, but there we go. Uh, I just shared my views, listeners. Um, but conversely, technology is enabling folks to work together more closely than they have done ever before. Um, and so maybe on a cultural level, people get a, get a chance to understand each other better than, than ever before, even if their governments are trying to block stuff. Um, what, what's happened in the last five, 10 years to, to, to permit employees to, to have relationships with, with other colleagues all around the world? How, how have things changed there? How, how, how has technology en- enabled the average worker to to reach out to someone across the world and to build up a collaboration and, and cohorts? I mean, like, uh, so I, I think, like, uh, it, interestingly, like, uh, you're actually asking that, like, uh, this question. Because if we were to actually go back to, well, fast forward, like, uh, you know, go back five years, right? Only five years. Huh? Um, the fact that we would be doing a podcast here online, right? It's... Um, it's it's a it's a strange request you know way back then i remember like all the meetings you know can we actually like uh what you would say is let's can we have a phone call rather than looking at each other's eyes 
on the video through a camera. That would that would be that was odd. That was totally weird. You know, I couldn't bring myself to it. Um, uh, for someone like me, I would ne- I would never agree to do something like this uh, simply because I like seeing people in person because I believe that you know you can actually get to uh, build more connections with people right uh, with uh, you know when they when you see them face to face so you know and then the covid came like uh, and then like uh, everything's just changed right we had to adapt uh, and we change and even the culture actually changed like uh, as well so in our book you know when we actually like uh, you know talk about like how covid has actually changed us one of the things that we realized was the fact that uh, even our collaborative patterns have changed. You're quite right. You know, we can now start working with people from like uh, from you know, remote locations or abroad, right? You know, far better than before. But what we have also found was like uh, we actually found a um, a research done at um, UC Berkeley, where like uh, my co co-author Olaf Roth actually like um, um, is a, is a faculty member there. And um, so we like <clears throat> in the research is actually said, like I look at a tech company, a big tech company, looking at how people actually work together. As it turned out, what happened like uh, with COVID and and you know like uh, the fact that we can work online, actually get people to work only or mostly with those people whom they know, not the people whom they don't know. So the result, it, I think, you know, like, there is a reason for it because you just don't run into them, like, or there's no water, like a water cooler chat anymore, right? You just don't, you don't like, you don't have to, you don't have to, you don't share the same lift elevators, right? Uh, you don't actually run into them on the on the staircase, right? So you tend to actually stick to work with those with those people whom you know. So the result is that um, the company becomes like a much less able to come up with new innovative ideas because after all new ideas novel like a novelties come from people different people work with different people people whom you don't know before so in that sense right you know i think we have got a much bigger reach but the richness has definitely like uh, you know like uh, you know has definitely come down you know it is basically the, you know like uh, we favor rich like uh, but at the expense of richness i think that is uh, that is an issue fidelo inc is a consulting firm specializing in improving human performance and we're proud to support the hr chat podcast we help identify strategic competencies and behaviors that drive results our team offers an HR web software to manage systems, reports, and data for HR people that need the best insights to make the right decisions and achieve better results. Learn more at Fidelo.com. Okay, so uh, just continuing on that thought for a moment, um, what kind of a disadvantage are newbies, uh, n- new folks into the workforce? Well, what, what does that disadvantage look like? And, 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 and what I mean by that, Terence, is when I got my first proper job, if you like, um, yeah, a big publishing house in, in West London many years ago before I was a grey dude. Uh, the, the stuff that I would learn by just sitting there, the stuff I'd learn um, by osmosis, you know, there's people chatting around me uh, as, as a junior guy, the, the, the politics as yep. well as um, uh, procedures and whatnot, just by sitting there. Young people don't get that anymore because they're not physically in the office or if they are, maybe it's one or two days a week. So what, what, what are they losing? I think you know, like uh, it's it is definitely not a great way for anyone to start, uh, simply because I've heard so many times that 
um, people just join the company without having like uh, met anyone, you know, like uh, six months, nine months, one year into like, uh, you know, into the new job, right? Um, that's not good, simply because I believe it is important to be able to plug into a system so that you can know how the system works. You can like, uh, you know, get to know the people, uh, even if it means saying hello from afar, right? And it makes a huge difference. But there is another, like a very interesting, like a uh, uh, um, um, discovery when we're actually writing the book, when we interviewed like uh, one of the senior, like a senior executives from one of uh, a larger companies. And he was actually saying that, you know, if we don't see the, the staff, right? How do we actually make promotion, uh, you know, like a, uh, like a assessments, right? How do we know? Like a, we used to be able to see the people, right? You know, at least you you can actually form the impression. But what are you going on now? Like, uh, you know, in order to form an impression, to actually decide whether someone is getting a promotion or not. It's a lot harder to do it in an environment where everyone just talk to each other online. And, you know, when the, the uh, you know, when the meeting is over, you literally just press the leave button and that's it. Right. Uh, you know, think about it, you know, in this, in, in actual meetings, right. You actually linger around and say goodbye and like, you know, walk to the left. You have got a chance to chit chat. You don't even get a chance to actually get to know the different people. How can you actually decide on? Like, you know, like whether someone should be getting a promotion or not, based on what, right? You know, just based on the work or based on the person. It actually turned out to be very, very difficult, like, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, in that sense. So, um, yeah, I think like, uh, you know, it's not just for newbies. It's, it's actually for air, like, uh, you know, for, 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 for those people, the veterans who are actually like, uh, at the, at the, you know, at the higher echelon, it is difficult. And, and just briefly, um, I mean, you work with lots of clever young people at Holt International Business School, of course. You, you teach lots of clever young people. Do they care? Do, 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 do they have a different attitude towards this stuff? Ooh, attitude. Um, I think, you know, the attitude right now is it's a bit different. Um, I think the expectations, I don't think it's just like a people at Holt. Don't get me wrong, right? It's basically there it seems to be a, like a different expectation. So, you know, the fact that, you know, like uh, if I were to join a new job that I have to actually turn up five days a week. I'm not so sure I can actually do it anymore. Four days, I will say yes, happily, but five days, I'm not so sure, right? Now, and and I've heard like, uh, and you know, like, uh, in, in, like uh, when we're doing research, you know, it is quite clear that quite a lot, uh, you know, a number of people would actually want to only do it three days a week because, right, right there are like, it's, and it's not because of laziness or, or unwilling to actually get out of bed or like, you know, change into something that is not pajamas. It's also like, uh, you know, about childcare. It's also about, you know, commuting costs, right? It's also about, um, you know, like uh, the fact that if you're eating at home, you can actually save some money, right? Like, let's, let's face it, right? Uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, there is a variety of factors. And I think expectations have changed. And, um, but funny enough, right? You know, we were talking about like the, the need for a new, like a OS. If our, future is you know is a very different one from the one at least before covid right clearly what we need to do is to actually have a new paradigm a new ways of like uh, working and i think you know the um, the uh, the so called like uh, you know the um the, uh, the the future of work right 
it's it's you know it's 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 about that you know what kind of like uh, you know what how would workplace be 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 changing right and as one of my colleagues like I once said there is no such thing as future of work it's basically the now of work the the, the workplace have already changed like uh, even now right um, therefore you know like uh, there is m- even more urgency to actually make some new uh, like uh, to come up with new ideas as to what we should be doing right in order to you know, make it like a, make it like a, create a better world, a better like a environment for everyone. Yeah, we live in the future, listeners, because we are what eight years past Back to the Future three, I think. So we are well into the future at this point. Terence, uh, we both got to jump in just a second before we do. How can our listeners connect with you and get a copy of your amazing new book? Well, thank you. So um, get in touch with me. The easiest way is go to my LinkedIn and reach out and it will be Terence T, T-E-R-E-N-C-E space T-S-E comma PhD. Yes, you know, I actually have to put a PhD there because I've got one. And therefore, if you have got it, flaunt it. That's what people said. And uh, get a copy, nice and easy. Um, the uh, Amazon will have it, Don't, like, you know, like uh, as much as I'm anti-Amazon, but Amazon will be able to find it. And hopefully soon enough, we will be able to find it at the uh, you know at the local bookstores like uh, in the UK. I like uh, last week I actually went to look for my book in London, and I was told the only place that they were actually like, uh, you know had it like uh, on shelf is in Oxford. Like uh, it's in Oxford, the city, not Oxford Street, right? So uh, yeah, so I think it takes a bit of time for books to be distributed to be uh, you know to be you know like uh, you know to go around like a. Uh, the UK and the world. So yeah, but thank you like uh, for like uh, your support in advance. Wonderful. Well, uh, that just leaves me to say for today, Terence with a PhD, uh, you are a wonderful human being. I have so much respect for you. You're funny, you're charismatic, you're intelligent. Keep doing what you do. Thank you very much for being my guest today. Bill, thank you very, very much again for having me. Uh, it's wonderful talking to you as usual. Thank you so much for all the kind words. I'm not so sure they're 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 I am I'm, I'm not so sure they're all truth, right? They could be post-truth. Actually, come to think of it, like post-truth. a lot of it is post-truth, <laughs> right? But still, I will tell, like accept it wholesale. Thank you so much, Bill. All of the words up to you. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thanks for listening to the HR Chat Show. If you enjoyed this episode, why not subscribe and listen to some of the hundreds of episodes published by HR Gazette. And remember, for what's new in the world of work, subscribe to the show, follow us on social media, and visit hrgazette.com.